Hi, thank you for listening to Trinity San Diego Podcast. If this is your first time tuning in with us, we want you to know that you are loved. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope this message will encourage you. If this ministry has blessed you in any way, you can help us by reaching others by investing at trinitysandiego.org slash give. Thanks again for joining us. Now here's Pastor Katie. Okay, so we're starting this new series called Christmas Cheer. Who, who's, who, who has seen the movie Elf? Okay, so it's not exactly like that, Christmas Cheer. Okay, Christmas Cheer. Uh, how do you, how, what, what's the song? Singing loud for all to hear, right? That's the best way to uh, spread ki- Christmas cheer. Um, and while you can do that, while you can spread Christmas cheer through singing loud for all to hear, if you would like to, uh, that would not be the focus of this uh, next few weeks. Um, when we say Jesus is the reason for the season, it's a cliche, but there's a lot of truth to it. And so Christmas cheer is really about, uh, the season is really about a life with uh, Jesus equals joy. And um, I was thinking this week as I was uh, preparing this message, we actually, uh, how many of you enjoyed The Greatest Show, by the way? I know that Todd, yes, yes, I can't wait for next year. Um, It was an amazing show. But we actually drove up to Orange County last Sunday um, right after the show. And we had had a Christmas gathering scheduled with my siblings because all of my siblings live in Orange County. Yeah, and so we, I didn't think I was going to see him for the rest of the Christmas holiday, and so I was like, let's try to get together this time to do a white elephant gift exchange. Okay, so when you do white elephant gift exchanges with certain spheres and circles of people, there, there are two types of people that do white elephant gift exchanges. The funny people and the gag gift people, and then there's the fancy people that give actual gifts that you want. Okay, and so when you find yourself in the fancy category, but you're a gag gift kind of person, you're out of your league here, all right? So you got to understand what kind of circle you're entering into when you do a white elephant gift, right? So my family, my siblings pride themselves on being the gag gifters, okay? They, like my, my brothers are jokesters. They have been the kind of people ever since they were born to try to get a laugh. And so the goal of our family white elephant gift exchanges is to give the most outlandish, most ridiculous gift that they can possibly find. That's the goal. You win a prize if you can, if you are the one that brings the most ridiculous gift, okay, to the white elephant gift exchange. So, like I said, on Sunday night, we went up to Orange County and we were doing our gift exchange, and I actually was the last person to go. And that's actually the best number to be, right? A lot of people think number one is not in the white elephant gift exchange because I got to scope out all of the junk that they had brought to the table. Some of it wasn't junk. Some of it was stuff that maybe I would use or maybe I would want or stuff. But for the most part, it was all junk. It was like a cat neon light, you know? Like, I'm like, what am I going to do with this? So, but that's the, that's the point of the funny white elephant. So there's one gift that's unopened that I'm looking at. And the rest of um, my brothers and sisters already had their gift, and I was getting ready to steal. But my brother, Phil, was like, Katie, you need this. He's like, don't steal anything. He's like, you know you need this right now. And I was like, 
I don't trust you. <laughs> I have learned from years past, I don't trust him. I don't trust my other brother, Jeff, either. And he's like, no, Kate. He's like, he's like you can see all that it's out here. This has got to be better than that. So I listened to him, and I opened the gift. And it was, he won the award. Let's just say that. It was the most outlandish, ridiculous white elephant gift that I have ever experienced in my life. In fact, I put it on and I scared my kids. There's a video. There's a video. Do you want to see the video? Okay. Um, Calvin, you might need to turn it down because there's some screaming in the video. Can, can everybody see and hear? <laughs> There was more to the video, but we had to cut it because, you know, he started freaking out. Um, but could you tell what that was? No, you can't tell what it was, but it looked ridiculous, right? Okay, that is a raincoat umbrella. Just so you know, pretty sure you can get it on Amazon. Okay, that thing, as ridiculous and ugly as it was, brought a lot of joy for whatever reason that night. I don't think my kids would agree, but my, my siblings all agreed, and we had a good laugh over it. You can judge my parenting if you want to, because I scare my kids, but whatever, you know, until you're a parent, you don't know. Um, so then, so that happened on Sunday night. Well, okay, we had another party scheduled on Tuesday. Now, that, I know those people, right? I knew the gifts uh, that I was bringing to the table with those people, and I know what to expect with those people. Well, we had another white elephant gift exchange scheduled for Tuesday night with um, some pastor friends uh, that we've been meeting with over the last year and a half, and we've formed a really good friendship, and so we decided to throw a Christmas party together. And um, the funny thing is, though, is that that is a completely different type of group of people <laughs> than my siblings, okay? But the instructions on the Christmas party invite was funny or fancy, so then it's like, well, what do you do, you know, because you've never had a Christmas party with these people before, and you don't know if they're going to be offended by the raincoat umbrella, or you don't know. Okay, so I was like, you know what, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do one funny and one fancy. I'm going to feel it out, right? I'm going to do one of each. So I brought a hair straightener, which is a fancy gift, and then I wrapped up the raincoat umbrella. No, don't show that yet. Don't show that yet. Take that down. Okay, now you guys know what happened. However, however, I, I go into this uh, Christmas party, and um, the, they're all fancy, dressed-up pastors of dif different area churches here that we've become friends with. And as we start to open the gifts, the gifts um, are mostly fancy <laughs> that I'm seeing being unwrapped. It's like, there's like throw pillows that cost them like $45. There's these like blankets. People got like Starbucks cards for like $50. And I was like, I was like looking at Todd because nobody had, nobody had picked up our gift yet, the, the funny one. And I was looking at him and I was like, uh-oh, I think we're in the, I think we did the wrong thing with the wrong group. <laughs> And he was like, I know, he was like looking at me and he was just, because we knew what was coming. 
right? And so after some people had stolen and the game had gone on, it was finally time to open the last gift, which ironically was our funny gift, the raincoat umbrella that we had rewrapped. It hadn't been opened yet. And so this guy, who's a new church planner in the area, he's about six foot four, goes over and takes the, uh, the package out. And he's like looking at it, you know, and you can tell he's skeptical because um, I wrapped it kind of funny and weird. And so he's like, ah, okay. And so everybody's waiting and watching him and Todd and I are kind of like this, like what is everybody gonna do? Is everybody gonna judge us for bringing the raincoat umbrella? And he opens it up and there's this picture on the front of the packaging that shows somebody like, you know, in the rain, like the raincoat umbrella. And he just like dies laughing. This guy, this six foot four guy just starts dying laughing and everybody's like, what is it? What is it? I want to see. I want to see. So he shows everybody the picture and people just erupt with laughter. And so they made him put it on. Now you can show the picture. They made him put it on. Look at this big dude right over here. Can you see him? Can you see him here in the corner? This, he's like massive, right? And he's got the raincoat umbrella. He was, he was blessed enough to, to open the raincoat umbrella. But I want you to take a look at everything else that's going on on people's faces around the room. Joy. It's joy. You saw joy in the video. You heard all the laughter in the video. And then you see joy in this picture. And this is really actually what the light of Jesus is about and what the the message of Christmas cheer is really all about is that the light, when Jesus, when Jesus came, he said, I am the light of the world. When you bring the light of the world into any sphere or situation or place that you find yourself, joy is always the result. It does not matter what kind of people group you're walking into. It doesn't matter if they're Christians. doesn't matter if, if it's your grocery store clerk. doesn't matter if it's the, the people at the company office party. When you choose to live with the light exuding outside of you, joy is the result. And so you don't have to worry about whether or not it's going to be accepted in one, in one sphere or arena and then not accepted in the other because Jesus came for humanity and Jesus is relevant to all humanity. Amen? Amen? I feel like you guys want me to put that thing on. I didn't take it home. If, if, nobody, if nobody wanted it, I was going to bring it home and, and preach in it. Because <laughs> I just thought, what better way to like engage a crowd, right? I'm just kidding. But, you know, really, uh, light is meant to be shared. And if you call yourself a follower of Jesus, um, you should be finding yourself bringing light and bringing joy into different circles of influence that you find yourself in. And the Christmas season is really all about the joy of Jesus when we are in relationship with him. But it all started, this idea of the light, all started back in Genesis. Genesis 1-3, third verse of the, of the Bible. God says, let there be light. And so it's from the beginning of time, from the foundation of creation, light was labeled good, and darkness was not. But it says here in Genesis 1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and now the earth was formless and empty, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. I think it's important to note that on the very first day, of creation, light was created, and it was separated from darkness. This is important because it's supposed to be defining for our life. There is good and there is evil. 
there is light and there is darkness. And so if he would have created the sun on the first day, that might have uh, switched up the order of things of where we are supposed to define our faith, where we are supposed to uh, lean into when we learn about the goodness of the Lord, light and darkness, okay? So it's, defi- it's a f- defining foundation, light and darkness. Um, but what was interesting is I was studying about this passage, Let There Be Light, um, and the process of creation. I never really looked into it as much. I love the Bible. By the way, the Bible, doesn't matter how long you've been studying it, it's alive. So it can keep speaking to you and it can keep showing you things that you've never seen before. And so I was studying creation and when light first came on the scene was the first day. But then I saw that God created vegetation and plants on the third day. But then he didn't create the sun until the fourth day which is contradictory to evolutionary theory because you have to have the sunlight to be able to get the plants to grow. So why would he, out of order, create plants and then the sun? It's the same reason why in Jewish culture, in the time of Jesus' ministry, thought that it was possible still after a man died that three days, they would give God three days to resurrect a man. That was the Jewish cultural ideology back in the days of Jesus' ministry. It's the same reason why when Jesus waited two extra days after he heard that Lazarus was sick to visit him in the grave at four days and resurrected him up. The same reason is because God will not be confined by by our time frame. God will not be confined by a man-made theory. The scripture is God-breathed. It is God-breathed by an omnipotent and infinite spiritual power and that is what creation is you see he does things out of order because he is not going to allow an evolutionary theory that's thought up by a man define and constrain his power in his life in in our lives somebody can say amen to that that when god doesn't show up when you expect him to or on your timetable doesn't mean he's not going to do it it just means that he is going to allow you to let your faith rise in a place of waiting That's what it means. So when the arrival of the light, which was Jesus, was ordained and mandated, that was already set before the foundations of the the earth, walking in the light is a choice. Walking in the light is a choice, and that's where it comes to us, present day, and our everyday decisions of whether or not we are going to choose to lean into the light and if we're going to choose to lean into who Jesus is especially this time of year, we can get so busy doing all the things. We can do all the Christmas, uh, Christmas light looking. We can do all the parties. We can go into debt for gifts for people and actually not even think about the person of Jesus during Christmas. And I only say that because I know I'm guilty of it. Literally, I was running around like a chicken with my head cut off two weeks ago getting ready um, for the greatest show and I felt this deep emptiness, and I was just like, that's an indicator, by the way, that if you feel a deep emptiness, to bring it before, bring it before the Lord in prayer. If you say, if you're like, man, I don't know why I feel like this, don't overlook it. Those are spiritual indicators of things that where God wants to speak to you specifically about. And in that moment, I just got down on my knees, because I was just like, We've got a great show happening. We've got great things happening. God, it doesn't really make sense for me to feel empty right now. 
This does not make sense. What is this about? And I brought it before him, and he, and he uh, brought the manger that we used for the show uh, to mind. And he spoke to me, and he said, that little manger that you're using in the greatest show has been through some ups and downs. It's been through, so it's got some dents in it. It's taken some hits. It actually had a piece fall off, and then we had to, like, glue back on, okay? So it was pretty rough, <laughs> okay, the manger um, that we used. But he, made, he brought it to mind because he said the manger that Jesus was placed in was most likely the same, the same, in the same kind of condition, right? And it's a metaphor for our life that sometimes we've been through some ups and downs, got some bumps and bruises, got some scars and some marks on us. And our lives can feel like a shell of a manger. But when Jesus, the light of the world, is placed within the manger, it becomes worthy. It becomes worthy of, of everything that we believe God has promised to give us. And so my, uh, in my prayer time before um, we were getting ready to do the show, that's what God gave me. He just said, you need to remember that without me in the manger of the shell of your life, it does feel empty. The manger was empty, but when I am inserted into every part of your life, that's where light exudes out of you. That's where the circles of influence are changed as a result of the light coming out of you. You have to remember that when you feel empty, it might be because you are discounting the presence of Jesus within every situation. And I'm not talking about a big, I'm not talking about big stuff. I'm talking about going to the grocery store, smiling at your barista, right, Hillary? I mean, just being nice when it's hectic. You know what? I have never seen so many mad people at Costco, <laughs> except during the holidays. I have gotten honked at more times, and I am like, light of Jesus, light of Jesus. <laughs> Pastor Katie, show the light of Jesus, because I'll just be honest with you. Like Sometimes I just want to be like, Anyway, but sometimes this season can result in a lack of, of joy, but, um, you know, Psalm 1611 says, you will show me the path of life, and in your presence is fullness of joy. That's where we find the fullness of joy, and so if his presence is uh, fullness of joy, and I'm not sure if I have this scripture up on the screen, Psalm 8915, I apologize um, if, it, if we don't have it, but it's blessed are those who have learned to acclaim you and who walk in the light of your presence, Lord. Walking in the light is a choice. But the, but the, the blessing is for those who walk in the light. And then when Jesus shows up on the scene, he explains that now he is the light. But... Um, where, you know, what was going on with, what was the light before, right? That was the, um, the question that a lot of people asked when I was studying um, on these research boards. Well, what was the light source before, before the sun? Because it doesn't really, like, make sense, you know, that there was light before, and then did it transfer over? There's all these questions. But the reality is, is that God is light, Okay? And so he, God was the one that was illuminating everything uh, before him. And what was so interesting is that if you study the Old Testament, in the tabernacle where people would worship, and also in the temple, the actual Shekinah glory of God, that means light, was what illuminated the spaces of worship. It was actually God's presence. Um, and so when we talk about 
in your presence is fullness of joy. There was a glory that was filling the actual physical spaces and places of worship. But the reason why that is not the case anymore is because of a choice people chose in those days to still not walk in the light. Even though they had the physical, tangible light of God illuminating their worship spaces, they still made choices. That's why I say walking in the light is a choice for all of us believers. And if we want the joy and the blessing that the Bible says comes with that, we have to start choosing that. But then Jesus shows up on the, on the scene because there was a 400-year gap between when the last time a prophet spoke about the goodness of God and the restoration of God, and then there was a 400-year dark year gap from when Jesus started coming. So it was pretty dark in that space and in that season, and Jesus shows up on the scene, and he goes in John 8, 12, it says, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world, and, and whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of the world. I am the light. So you may not have the glory of physical God now lighting up your temple and your spaces, but he said, I have come, and now I am the light. And when you insert me into your life, into your circumstances, because you are now the temple of the Holy Spirit, uh, the light comes out. But the word follow is key here. So whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. It's not whoever exists will never walk in darkness but whoever follows me. And in him, the life that was, that life was the light of all mankind because the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. That word translated as the darkness cannot extinguish it. So it means that when, if you are walking in a dark season, that means it will not overcome you and your situation. It may feel really dark for the, for the amount of time, but it will never extinguish the light in your life. It will not overcome you. When we follow the light, though, it will always illuminate areas of greatness, and it will expose areas of unhealth. It's really quiet. It's really quiet, and I don't know if that's because it's not popular or... It, I, it, you know, you have to have both. The light does both. The light is required for you to grow in areas that are unhealthy in your life, and it's also required for you to see the greatness that God has already put in you. In Luke eight seventeen, this is my first point. Um, light exposes the unhealthy within us. In Luke eight seventeen, it says, "For nothing is secret that will not be revealed, nor anything hidden that will not be known, and come to light." Could I have the stage lights out, please? Everyone's like, okay, so this, this one's off, yeah. Can you guys see me? You still can see me? Okay, hold on. Just wait. Just wait for a second. Now let's hope that I don't trip back here because I can't see. That's kind of the point, right? Thank you, Lucas. Um, I just want to show you this really quickly. Um, so you can't, can you see me? You can still see me? Can you see this plant? You can? Does it look healthy to you? Oh, it doesn't look healthy? No. How come? It's all wilted? Okay. So this illustration totally did not work, but here, I'm going to go, I'm going to act as if it did, okay? 
You can't really tell how unhealthy it is because there's darkness, right? You can't, you can't really tell. Steve, can you tell from the back? See, okay, Steve's helping me out. He can't tell. Let's turn the stage lights back on. Yeah. All the gasps. <gasps> Gross. Uh, yes, yes. Now, the point that I was trying to make was that sometimes things can appear healthier in the darkness than they are with the light shining on them. Now, apparently, y'all are really sharp, and <laughs> you could figure out that it was already unhealthy in the half-light, right? Okay? But when I shined that light directly on it, you could see the level of unhealth, right? And that can feel like it's, it feels it's exposed, and that feels uncomfortable sometimes. And that's why a lot of us sometimes tend to resist letting the light shine on areas in our life that are unhealthy. And we tend to hide from places like church or connect group or Bible study because we're like, ooh, I got some stuff in there that I'm not sure I want everyone to see. And so it's easier to keep masking what's going on instead of letting the light come in. But you guys, the Christmas season is all about letting the light into our life. And, it, and, and God does not do it to expose us and embarrass us because I feel real bad for this little plant right here. That is not God's heart though. God's heart, he does, he, by the way, he does not do this in a platform season of our life. Some, some of you can maybe look at um, a platform and... Um, say, oh my gosh, how scary would that be for this little plant to be wilted and droopy and unhealth exposed in a public platform. But God usually does this stuff behind the scenes. His light is specific and individual to us. But look at what he does. He has to take things off that are unhealthy. He prunes parts of us that are no longer producing fruit or life in our life. And so he prunes us after he exposes us. So that the, the healthy parts are now revealed and most of what you see. I know I might be missing a few here, but you got it, right? You got it. All right, we can move on. The light exposes what's unhealthy in us, but it's always for a good outcome. Uh, number two, uh, light makes vision possible. And that may feel uh, a little bit redundant on this, the first point. But just like physical light allows us to see around us, Jesus is the spiritual life, and he gives us vision. And vision propels us to bring light to other people. What I mean by vision is vision within your spirit, not physical vision. Light the light of the world, when you invite Jesus into your life, things start to shift and to change. And some of you might be like, okay, what is vision? Okay, I believe that vision is defined this way. And I'll say it a couple times because it might uh, be a little bit too long. And I don't know if we put this in the notes, right? Okay. Um, vision is what God ignites in your imagination to be fulfilled through your purpose he's designed you for. Okay. Vision is what God ignites in your imagination to be fulfilled through your purpose that he's designed you for. That's what vision is. But one thing that I have to point out about vision is that it, vision is um, imparted to you, but it is not for you. It's for others. 
And so if you are working for a cause, but it is only benefiting you and yourself, that's not vision. Vision is always something that is meant to bless other people that God wants to use you in. It's the light coming through you. So light makes vision possible in your life. And I, I ask myself this question all the time. Why are so many people living without a vision or a purpose? Because I see it all the time. And people are just kind of aimlessly getting up, going to work, coming home, watching Netflix, and then doing the same thing again. And I'm like, somebody, somebody's real honest in the room. Um, I, I, I ask myself that question. Why are there so many visionless Christians, followers of Jesus? Because it's one thing to be a visionless person. Um, there's driven people all over the world that do not follow Jesus. There's CEOs and executives and people who are killing it in the marketplace um, that don't follow Jesus. But that's, that's drive. That's not vision. Because vision is always about the outcome of other people. But I think one of the biggest killers or two of the biggest killers of vision is worry and negativity. Worry. Worry, if you know how to, this is one thing. Does anybody worry in here about anything? Can, you, can, I, can I see, oh, only like two people? There we go, there we go. So good, so you know how to worry. I'm so happy for you. You know how to worry, which actually means that you have an imagination that God has put within you, and it, worry is a misuse of that imagination. Worry is creating scenarios that may never happen. Worry is building things up in your mind about the future, right? It's about the future. When vision is creating scenarios with the imagination that God has put in your life to bless other people, to share the light with other people, that's vision. And so light makes vision possible. But then when we become the recipients of the light, we become mandated reporters of the light. That's the deal. So when you say yes to Jesus and you say, I want to follow Jesus and I want that light in my life, I want the blessing associated with that psalm that we just read, blessed are those who have learned to acclaim you who walk in the light. I want the blessing, okay? You want the blessing, you want to be a recipient of the light, then you got to become a mandated reporter. You got to start sharing it in every circle, in every sphere of influence that you're in. Um, we just did the uh, Abraxas birthday parties. You guys know that we throw birthday parties um, yeah, once every other month for um, the students in the transition program at Abraxas High School. And uh, we're really excited. We're, pray we're being prayerful about a new vision there in 2020 um, that we'll share in the coming days about expanding there. But right now, we do it every other month. And we just go in and we get the list of birthdays for the two months you know, that we're celebrating we buy them a couple birthday cakes, and we give them a card, and we literally just sing happy birthday to them at their lunch hour. And you would not believe the joy, the joy on people's faces. Taylor, it was your first one just this last week. It was a party, right? It was a party. Everybody there feels celebrated, even if it's not their birthday. They're just like, they're breaking it down on the dance floor because they're celebrating, uh, you know, whoever's birthday it is, Okay. That was joy. That's bringing the light of Jesus into a new sphere of influence. Light is meant to be shared. And so that's a vision that God has placed in our heart and propelled us into spaces and places where light was needed. 
And I want you to ask yourself the question, what is the vision that God has placed in your heart? Or are there areas in your life that you need the light to shine for you to get a vision for what he wants you to do for other people, how to share the light with other people? My third and final point, and you guys can come up, the worship team. I've been kind of messing with the lights today, so I thought, why not, why not do one more, huh? We're going to kill all the lights in the room. Oh, wait, but i got to get my thing. Hold on. Okay, kill all the lights in the room. No Christmas lights. We're just going to wait a couple minutes until all the lights are out. It's pretty dark, right? Can't really see much. There's a few little lights on in the back, but for the most part, it's dark. And if some of you were to have to get up and start walking around, you'd probably bump into somebody. You'd probably hurt yourself or somebody else. Let's not try it. <laughs> but sometimes these are the seasons that we're going through, especially around Christmas time. It can feel really dark. It can feel lonely. It can feel like there's not really a strong source of light that's pulling us in one particular direction towards hope. But when I turn this on, This becomes where your eye goes, right? Would you say that this is maybe the strongest source of light now in the room? This is where everybody's eye is drawn to because most of the lights are out. And so I don't know if you're in a season that feels very dark like this right now. Maybe you're not. Maybe it's not that bad where you don't feel like Jesus isn't a focal point. But if you are, Jesus is the light. And in him there is no darkness, and the darkness will not overcome or extinguish this light. Right. And so if you're in a, in a space or a season in your life that's very, very dark, I want you to know right now that my third point is that there's no darkness too great that his light won't reach. We sing the song, we can turn the lights back on now, by the way. We sing the song, uh, Reckless Love. And part of that song says, uh, there's no shadow you won't light up. There's no mountain you won't climb up. Wow, the light. It's like, <laughs> I have, <laughs> when the light comes in, guys, it just kind of just, it can be blinding. Uh, but there's no light too great that he won't come and find you. There's no shadow he won't light up because Jesus is pursuing you. And um, I knew a friend back in Washington State and she was in a very dark season, just kind of like that dark room that you just saw. And when we try to make moves when we're in that dark of a season, we usually end up stumbling around, making poor choices, hurting people, just like if you would have gotten up and tried to make your way from this side of the room all the way to this side of the room in the pitch black, okay? But when we don't have somebody sharing the light of Jesus with us, we still feel like we have to keep moving, and we have to keep moving uh, in a direction, but we end up stumbling. And so my friend uh, was seriously considering uh, joining 
a cult. Um, it was witchcraft of some, like some sort. Very, very dark. And she was really considering it. She had been going online and looking up all of the information, and she had been talking to somebody about it, about how she could get involved. And so they were giving her all of this information and how she could practice the darkness, basically. Because she was so, she was so broken. She needed some kind of something in her spirit. Because all of us are created with this vacuum or this void that God is meant to fill with his light. It's our spirit. You know, we were created in the image of God, which means that we were created um, to have him dwell within us. And so there's this void that if that's not filled with the light, we'll be filled with darkness because light and darkness are separated. And so she started looking for an outlet, a spiritual outlet to hear about her purpose, to hear about the future. And she started dabbling in that. But she went to sleep the, the night of her talking with this witch that was been, had been practicing. And she went to sleep. And the vision, she had a vision of Jesus appear to her. Like it was so real that it woke her up out of a dead sleep. And she sat up in her bed and she saw the person of Jesus. And he said, come to me. I am the light of the world. And she was so shook by this vision because she went back to sleep. She thought it was a weird dream, but she was so shook in her spirit about it that she went to work. She worked at a strip club and she was involved in the sex industry. She worked in a strip club for 20 years, and, but she was so shaken and she knew that that being said that his name was Jesus. And so she started looking up online, um, who is Jesus? And then she started Googling churches in the area who believed in Jesus and that worshiped Jesus. And so she's starting to look on some of these random websites and reading about who they are and what they believe. But her shift had had to start. That was before work. And so she goes and she does her shift. And in the middle of her shift, there's these girls from a local church that come in to the strip club. With gift bags for each girl that was working. And she received one of them. And there was lip gloss or a compact in each of the bags, but, was, but what was more important was the card that was linked to a website of testimonies of women that had also been drawn out of darkness into light. And it was a whole website with just this little graphic. It was a very simple graphic, and then it was a website of just testimonies of what Jesus had done for each of these women. And so she looked at her gift bag, and she looked up the website, and she was reading all about it. And some of them had passed exactly like hers. And she started to feel like maybe Jesus is real. Maybe who I saw last night in the vision is really real. Maybe, maybe he really is who he says he is. But she still wasn't sure. And so then she goes home that night. And she looks on her computer. And she looks up the church that she had originally started looking at before her shift started. And she wanted to know what outreaches or what community ministries they were involved in. And so she clicked on this drop-down tab that talked about the outreaches. And sure enough, under this church's website, there was a link to the other website from the card that she had seen. And so 
she immediately knew that God was real, that Jesus was trying to get a hold of her. And I don't know about you and if you're new here and if you believe in coincidences, but we don't. We don't believe in coincidences. We believe that our steps are ordered. We believe that God has a plan and he is always trying to get his light to you because there is no dark hole that you might find yourself in that he will not shine his light into and pull you out of. That woman had been working in a strip club for 20 years. And she finally got to a point where she was ready to make the biggest mistake of her life. But there is no shadow that he won't light up to come after each and every one of us. But what's interesting about that story is that we can tend to, as believers, if you say you're a follower of Jesus, as believers, we can tend to say, well, awesome job, Jesus. You're going to pull people out of the depths. You're going to pull people out of the holes. Go, Jesus. No, there were women in that club that had been transformed and changed by the light of Jesus with a vision to carry his light into dark spaces. And they had a part to play in the story of her belief. That woman is, is running a ministry now. Eight years later, she is living for Jesus as a result of somebody else's yes. Somebody else said, I will carry the light into dark places. I will allow the light to shine in my spirit so that it can be reflected out and shared. The joy of this season, guys, is the light of Jesus that you allow to come out of your spirit into the circles of influence that you find yourself, into the places, the lonely places. You don't know how many people are dealing with depression and loneliness this time of year. How many people just want to avoid the church and want to avoid talking about Jesus because he hasn't done something like that for them. Let me tell you, maybe it's because you're supposed to go and carry the light. You're supposed to reflect it. If we could just bow our heads and close our eyes.